again, remember, we were, when we're talking spiritual gifts, we are talking uh, those things that God does in us. He enhances spiritually, if you will, divinely, uh, supernaturally, he, that allows us to function above and beyond our capacity, in a sense. Um, it's not a talent, although it can be, but something that God has enhanced in addition. Uh, we would say a skill, not necessarily, but it can be. Uh, something that, is, that you've learned in the sense of uh, training or something like that, it, it can be. But when we talk about talents and skills and training and academic learning, anybody falls into that category. But when we talk about spiritual gifts, only Christians have them. You're not going to find a non-believer with a gift of the Holy Spirit because there's no indwelling spirit to bring it about. So, only Christians have spiritual gifts. And again, God can use talents and, 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 and skills and, and natural abilities as a base and then build on it for special purposes. And I was, when I thought of this, I was thinking of uh, Bieliel and, and, and a number of others who were craftsmen, masons, uh, artisans, and artists in the sense of, of, of uh, metallurgy and, and different things. And when it came time to build uh, the, the tabernacle, it says God filled them with the Holy Spirit for the work that He was going to have them doing. Did they already know how to do some of this stuff? Yes, they were already craftsmen. But God went, took them above and beyond to see His vision to His idea so that it would be made exactly the way He wanted it. And so... This idea of God indwelling and filling is what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual gifts. And when we talk about purpose, uh, what we're talking about is that, you know, uh, basically that first and foremost, in fact, that back in 1 Peter chapter 4, if you want on to verse 11, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. There's our primary purpose. Not to have big churches, uh, it's not to have, uh, you know, uh, all sorts of supernatural events or, or any, it's so that God may be glorified. I was asked the other day in, in reference to a, a, a deal that I was actually doing online, but it was, what is, what is your purpose? What is your, your, your primary purpose? And... The first thing that jumped in my mind were things that I do, you know, uh, to be a good dad or all these. And then I realized my primary purpose is to glorify God. Our congregation as a whole, our primary purpose is to glorify God. And God has brought us together. This group of people here this morning, God has brought us together with that in mind. To glorify Him in such a way that individually, collectively, together in here this morning, but as to how it might impact this community over the next week for having been here together this morning, as he uses our gifts in here to build up one another and then sends us out to share with one another and, and the people around us and to let them know uh, what Christ is doing in their lives. Uh, if we were to look at Ephesians chapter 14, some of the things that go along with this in glorifying God, that primary purpose, it's also to build up the body of Christ uh, in unity. 
In other words, to bring us to one mind of the key things that we hold in common in our faith. Most centrally, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Him glorified. His, His grace in us. You know, these key things that, that we hold on to. Building up in unity and in faith to become mature in Christ. And there's even a reason to become a mature in Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is so that we don't, become to- we don't be tossed about, it says, by every wind of doctrine but that we can actually settle in and, and know what we believe in such a way that as people come up with things like was talked about in Galatians chapter uh, uh, 1, another gospel, you know, you, you look at that and you say, how could they possibly have... In this, in fact, Paul says this. We were doing this in our Bible study on Wednesday night. Paul says, how could you possibly succumb to or, or give over to another gospel when you had this given to you? It's, this is what it is. If anything, if anything comes and gives you a different, a different gospel, I don't care, even if an angel came from heaven, Joseph Smith, uh, and gives you another gospel, which they proclaimed it for years. They said, and here's the other gospel. That was pretty good indication of what we should be doing with it. You know, and, and that was ignoring it, by the way. Uh, so you have this, this picture so clearly, you know, here's the gospel, here's the core. This is what we're to grasp. The purpose of our gifts, uh, all together, collectively, to glorify God and bring us into the sense of unity and, and building each other up so that we can be mature in Christ. No longer like children, tossed about by winds and waves, but solid in our faith. To build up the body in love. The idea that Paul says, you can have all the gifts, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And starting off and talking about this, you say, well, you know, uh, okay, how do I find out what my gift is? And I'll tell you, a lot of people ask, you know, that's one of the things that gets asked in Bible studies and and, and pastors and stuff. Well, I, I don't know what my gift is. How do I find out? Now, you could go and, and take a, a test. There are a number of, I call them multiple choice tests, you know, but basically to find out, you know, you, there's normally four or five responses to a particular question about one of the gifts as to your activity in it, have you done it, did you ever do this, whatever, and you circle one or, you know, whatever, and each one has a point value at the end, you, you realize each certain ones went with uh, the gift of mercy. Certain ones went with the gift of... Certain questions went with the, mercy, uh, the gift of, uh, of teaching and, and whatever. And, and when you're done, you, you look through the highest number, and that's most likely your, your strong point. Okay? I do not have anything against spiritual gift tests as a possible indicator. But that's not... That's, that's just a way to try to find out what's going on, okay? But it's, it's, it's not necessarily the, the real answer. And it may be that God really wants to use something that you don't even see on that gift in the sense you really scored low. He wants to take you and put you into that and really do supernatural work through you in an area that you've never been before. So just because you took the test and you said, oh, I scored high in, in leadership. 
That's what I am. Don't rule out anything at this point. All it's giving you is an indicator of what to be looking at. Charles Stanley, he has a, a, a number of, of articles and stuff on, on uh, spiritual gifts. And one of the things he says, if you know exactly how God has gifted you and you're actively using those gifts in ministry, great. And that's almost the way he said it in the video, too. You know, great, you know. But for the rest of us, <laughs> and he meant, by that meant the majority of us, who are not sure, you're not alone. So I put here, finding my gift. What is it? Where do I start? Now, there are some prerequisites to understanding your spiritual gift. One is you need to be born again. You need to be a believer, a, a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ. You need to have accepted Christ as your Savior. However you want to get that, you need to be a Christian. And not in name only, but in the reference of born again Christ in you. Uh, and and uh, you need to believe in the Word of God. You're not just in a token sort of way, but that this is the, the, the Word of God. It's not just a, a, a accumulation of men's ideas about God. It is God's declaration, revelation of Himself. You need to be willing you need to be a Christian who sees the Word of God as God-breathed, and you need to be willing to look for it. I, I, I wonder, you know, sometimes I'm thinking, I, more than sometimes, I thought this a lot of times. Why doesn't he just go, and I'll say, I get it! But I, I, I was informed years ago by an, uh, an old-time pastor when I met him, he was in his 90s. He lived to be 104. Kathy remembers him, Wes. And uh, he basically says, well, the reason why it's, it's basically, and, and I use the word struggle in a sense, but it's a process, is that God wants you well-rounded in all of the areas. He says, because none of them are, are so exclusive in the sense of mercy and giving and helps and and teaching. If you're a parent, you're going to be a teacher. You know, they're, they're, so you need to kind of have a well-rounded education in all of those areas. So you may be, as you're looking for your gift, you're getting a full education in all of the areas of ministry. Plus, you never know when God's going to use you as a gap filler outside of your gift area for a season to help the body of Christ in a, in a, in a, in a crisis, in a sense. Oh, we don't have. Well, that's just you know. We don't have Sunday school teacher. We need one. Well, like, teaching's not my gift, especially kids. Uh, so, so uh, that can't be me. God may want you as a gap filler for a season. God does do that. So I, I want you to understand that that as we look for this, God put it as a process on purpose, so that we would seek Him. Know Him, and not uh, ever fall back to that point where you say, oh, well, this is my gift, this is all I do. And if this isn't going on around me, I'm on the, I'm, I'm, I'm on the loose, <laughs> so to speak. You know, I'm, on, I'm on relief work here, I, I'm on vacation or whatever. It's not what God intended. 
So as we seek our gift, we seek the face of God, which is what he wants, isn't it? But he does promise if we seek him, he will what? He will reveal. He says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you ask, you will get answers. Okay? But you have to be willing. And sometimes he's going to put us through situations that are not what we expected to get the answers. So, you know, we, we realize that as a Christian, believing, willing, and also praying. That's how we seek the face of God, in our prayers. And, and, and then there's another question in this prerequisite too. Are you being obedient to what you already know what you are supposed to do? In other words, are you, has God revealed certain things in, in the Word of God or through Bible study and training and all those kinds of things? Has God revealed certain things in your life that you know you're supposed to do that you're not doing? Well, as you're sitting over here asking for God's will to be made known to you in reference to your gifts and other things, but you're not doing what you already know you're supposed to be doing, God may say, not yet. Not until you get this going. You might be on a plateau for, for you know, people say with spiritual plateau, you know, and you stay there forever or whatever. But it's, it's, normally it's because we're not doing the things that we already know that we're supposed to do. So there's another part of this picture. Now, within the framework of that, seeking after your gift, do you believe that you have a gift? That's where you have to start. Do you have the faith to believe that you have a gift? Now, the Word of God... 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each one of you has received. If you have Christ, you have received a gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to everyone is given a gift. And the idea is not necessarily singular, but at least starting with one. There isn't anybody in this room who has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that has not got a spiritual gift that God wants you to use. Do you believe that? I'll ask you again one more time. Do you believe that? Because this becomes a true or false question. If you, it's, either, it's either yes, I believe that, and it says that, and I believe it, or no, I don't. And if, and if it's no, I don't, then these scriptures I do not agree with. They're, they're not God-breathed. But I believe God-breathed. Then it's true. You see... Your, your faith has to get working here. Sometimes we have to, to work on it a little bit and say, okay, Lord, I see this. I believe your word, even though I struggle with this. I don't get it. I believe it. And we rest in a confidence that it's true. And then we come back to prayer and seek. Do you, you know, so do you believe it's true? Take that for granted now for the moment and say, have you been praying about it? And I do know people will say, I have prayed and I have prayed. Check your motives. James tells us, check our motives. That's why we pray for something. Because sometimes we're praying for something to come about because somehow it's expected that everybody to stand up and, 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 and I want to be able to stand up with everybody else and say, I have one too. Yeah, I have, I have a gift. Or... In some cases, some you know, places, there's, there's pressure to have specific kinds of gifts. And, and you, you, you push yourself into that, and, and you, you, just, you don't feel like it's happening. Uh, 
maybe even on your own self. You're just, you know, I want to be productive. I, you know, and, 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 and you want to feel good about yourself. What's the purpose of the gift? To glorify God. I'm just going to suggest that in your prayers, remember first and foremost, Lord, teach me how to surrender to you so that you can use me. And that's a growing process all by yourself. So, do you believe it? Yes, I do. Are you praying about it? Yes, I am. Study the Word. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4 and others. But those, if you got those down, you will be able to find the general list of, of gifts and look at them and, and, and read about them and then study. Get to some dictionaries. Get to some... Uh, books, uh, uh, some commentaries and whatever, and, and look about what these gifts are and what, and what they mean. Be, become a student of the Word. Study. Such a novel uh, thing to our culture today that most people, you know, we say, feed me, open up my, my video or whatever so I can see it, but I, I'm, not a, I'm kind of a proponent and somewhat old-fashioned, as many of you know, uh, and, and I still believe in the, the actual picking up a book and study context. You know? And granted, you can get all your books, almost anything you want, off the, the uh, uh, software program or the Internet. Fine, if that's where you want to study from. But, but the idea is get into it. Get into it. One of the things that... that, that uh, Rick Yon, and I'll mention him again in a minute, so I won't go for credentials for the moment, but Rick Yon says, he says, jump into stuff. I, and I, when I first heard that, I was kind of like, well, that's, that seems like a waste of time. But his idea was experiment. Take on a number of different, if you will call it this, entry-level ministries. Work with children, work with nursery, work with with, uh, you know, uh, me serving meals. We work with different things uh, where you start to see, you know, uh, maybe the, a teacher will start to evolve or a person of service or of helps will start to evolve. Jump into some things and, 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 and see what happens. And for that matter, don't be afraid to look for ministries that really challenge your weaknesses. Because sometimes that's where God wants to turn you on. So just because you're weak at something, it's not your strongest point that you can see, don't be afraid of it. It may be that God's not going to use you there. But it may be, too, that God's opening your eyes to an area. Or maybe it's some area where you say, I tried that before, not, a, not now. I'm done trying that. And it's the thing that God really wants to get you into. Common sense. A lot of people don't like to hear common sense in reference to scriptural things, but there is a just an idea of, of common sense. You know, consider your desires that God has given you. As you've grown in Christ, have you got certain desires that are growing in you, that things that you would like to do? Missions, maybe. Maybe God's going to use you as a missionary. Maybe God's, you know, going to use you uh, in, 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 in leadership or administration of some kind. You know, there's, there's something you're done. For instance, uh, one of the guys read it. He says you, you walk into a church and, and, and everybody's so excited about the Lord, but then you realize everything is absolutely disorganized. There's no organization. And all you can think about is if they would just do this, 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 and this, it would, it would come together better. 
chances are, <laughs> instead of having a critical spirit about it, you're, you've got a gift that could help. So, you, you have these things to, to, to look at that, you know, what are, you know, my heart's desire. And finally, also confirmation from others. As you start to do things, as you will experiment with various things, you might find that you know, people come along and say, you know, you're really good at that. Yeah, sometimes that will be a confirmation. You know, look for that as well. And I put down here additional efforts and things that you can do. Training classes. I don't know if I want to teach or not, but such and such a church, uh, Calvary Chapel over here is, is offering a teaching seminar and it's open to the public if I want to go. I'm going to go see what it's all about. Yeah, training classes, training opportunities, conferences, reading, studies again. I'm convinced that God wants you to know your gift. He's not playing peekaboo with it, hide and seek. But he is taking you through a process to get you to it. Now, Rick Yon wrote a book back in the mid-70s, Discover Your Spiritual Gift and Use It. Uh, he was uh, the, the pastor at the time. He was a pastor at uh, uh, Evangelical Free Church in Fresno, and he spoke frequently in the San Jose area. While we were living in that area, I got to hear him in, in speaking on specifically gifts. But here's something that he did in a kind of a concluding way. He says, I want to share a verse of Scripture that, rec uh, that revolutionized my own attitude about God's working in my life. It has, kept me from push it has kept me from pushing ahead of God's timing. It has removed the fear of failing to make the grade. And it has given me the confidence that God has a place for me and will lead me in discovering it. The passage is this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. David's gift of music opened the door to Saul's palace. Philip's gifts of evangelism and miracles opened the door to Samaria. Paul's gifts of apostleship and teaching brought him to the western world with the gospel. Elijah's gift of faith closed the heavens for three years and brought him before King Ahab and the people of, of Israel. Bezalel's gifts of craftsmanship, Oliab's too, uh, built in the tabernacle of God in the wilderness. Nathan's gift of prophecy brought him before David the king. Solomon's gift of wisdom brought great men and women of the world to his court. Peter's gift of exhortation caused 3,000 Jews to repent in a day. I've added some things to here, you know, many uh, of the martyrs. And that is a sense of a gift in, in, in one sense in some people's categories. And I specifically thought of Stephen or Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7 of, of how God brought him uh, be, as an exhortation and, 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 and before the, the uh, Sanhedrin uh, and then and even in, in the midst of his, his death, uh, he glorified God. God may not use your gift to bring you before famous people, great men that way. He may not use your gift in a way that the Christian world will sit back and admire, but be certain that He will open many doors for you to serve Him. A man's gift makes room for him. That was the emphasis. In other words, when God gives you, He would make room for you to use it. 
He'll give you that opportunity. He doesn't give you a gift and say, well, everybody happy now? He gives you that opportunity. Now, I want to share with you uh, quickly, you know, a personal testimony in this. I, I believe that I have the gift of teaching. And I've, I feel I've had that confirmed enough that, that, that I'm consistent and I'm comfortable in that. It was not something that I was set out to choose. I, but, and I'll share, share how, because it, it's kind of an interesting story. Before high school, this would be my B.C. days, before Christ in me, uh, before high school, and in, in, in my first year of high school, education was the last thing on my mind. I had no interest whatsoever. It's, I liked being, I liked school, because it was my social life. My life at home was not one that I wanted to go home to, so going to school was was getting out of that. But as far as the academic stuff goes, well, let a 1.4 GPA speak for itself. I moved in to live with my dad in my, uh, between my freshman and my sophomore year. I get sent to the school to get my classes. My dad simply dropped me off. I go and see the counselor, get my class schedule, and I came home with it. And he looks at my class schedule. And he says, how are you going to get into college with those classes? Everything was, you know, remedial in, in 101 or, or shop. You know, one, two, and three. You know, how are you going to get into college? And, I, and basically, it was like adding a word to my, my vocabulary. College? <laughs> yeah, and, and back to the, to, the, to the counselor's office, and we sat down, and he worked out a schedule, and the counselor says, I'm, I'm doing this, Mr. Happy, because you're insisting, but I don't think he can do these things, so it's, everything's on probation. I really needed to prove myself to my dad. And I went from 1.4 to around a 3.6. Okay, and so it, it was something that I, I found that I could do. Well, I didn't really even understand this, even though it had been told me. I came from four generations of teachers. Or I, you know, or I was in the fourth generation. My, my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, my stepsister... And, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, they're, they're all telling me that I need to get my teaching, you know, skills. You know, if you, if you don't want to do it, you'll always have it to fall back on. It was always the, 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 the thing. I taught one year in, in, in continuation school, mostly older people, in a high school environment. That was my first teaching experience and my last in the public school. Um, I, I liked the students okay, but I really didn't like, for lack of better words, the, the, the politics of the way you had, what you had to do, what you couldn't do, could do, and what you couldn't say, you know, just tons of things. And I just, you know, I, I, I just didn't fit in, I didn't think. And so I thought, teaching is not what I want to do. Closed the door to it. Went into industrial sales and, 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 and paint sales and, and coating, industrial coating, with Fuller O'Brien Corporation. Absolutely loved it. 
and I excelled at it. And through some very clear, immature arrogance, lost it. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, told, I gave him time to solve a problem, and I gave him two months to solve it, and went home and found a, a Western Union telegram telling me that I had been fired. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I'd also been trained in, in woodworking. Worked with a master craftsman for eight years, and then had my own shop. Uh, so I went back into that, did that for years. In that time, I became a Christian, got excited about the Lord, really wanted to know. Lord, what is it you want me to do? In fact, I'd go to the elders. What is, it, what is God calling me to do? And they'd say, well, we have this over here, we have this over there. And Man, I did anything and everything. If the elders said it, I did it. Next thing you know, all of a sudden, I'm overwhelmed. I've got all these things to do. Worked my, my shop into a four-day work week, you know, 12, 15-hour days, so I could do all these other things. And, and I went to the pastor, and I says, Jerry, what am I supposed to do? And he says, he says well, you need to learn the word no. And I'm sitting there, oh, how are you going to know when it is you're supposed to, when you're not? And he says, you just experiment. It's kind of the same thing. that this, that this, this you know. And so, you know, all of these things came up. And then all of a sudden, I, uh, Kathy and I, got the conviction that one of the things we needed to do was to be better educated in the Word. How are we going to do that? We're going to go to Bible college. And so we did. We're married. We have one child. And when we finally made it our way to go to Bible college, we had another child on the way. In fact, we moved on Labor Day with Kathy, what, three centimeters dilated? Moved on Labor Day. Uh, September. Uh, of course, my car, it was interesting, my car blew up that day. Left it in our shop. I drove my 1947 Studebaker pickup. <laughs> oh, excuse me, the 1947 Stupid Baker. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and my, my, my uncle saw that and says, there's no way she's riding all the way to San Jose from, from Atascadero and that on those old cement highways going like this at 45 miles an hour because that was his max speed. So he took her and hit her in his car. You know, we got up there. All the work that was promised me fell apart. Not one thing came through. I had people that I had done work with and business with. Not one of them came through with a job. By the end of October, we were broken, and, 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 and Annie hadn't been born yet. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, we're, we're any time now, any time now, any time now. No doctor would take her. A friend of ours from Tulare came over uh, every week. And, uh, uh, towards the end of her pregnancy, but but for the, yeah, basically he was coming over every week, wasn't he? And and um, uh, Bigelow, Doctor Bigelow, and, uh, and and checking on her. And then he got us into a hospital, and I get into the hospital, and and and, and I, they said you have to sign all these papers. I didn't know what they were. I didn't care. We're broke now. We've used up all our savings. I don't know where the, I'm thinking I've made the biggest mistake in the world. Coming, Kathy's over here saying, you know, God put us here. Signed all these papers from back to front. You know, I didn't read any of them, didn't care. Come home, and we have a phone call from welfare. First thing I start, the, 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 before school, you know, uh, really gets started going. I've only been schooled for a couple of weeks now. You've got to understand, I had a thing about welfare and having to, you know, people who used it. And it wasn't a nice way of looking at the world. 
And all of a sudden, I'm on food stamps and Medi-Cal. And if I don't use it, we don't eat. It was a very humbling time. But God opened my eyes to the fact that there are times when people have needs. Radically changed the way I look at things. Right after that, got a job in, in uh, contracting work with with a with a company that lasted uh, in sales and, and and furniture work for the rest of my time in Bible college. Paid very well, um, but it was until after that happened. By the way, our over two thousand dollar bill because there was complications. Uh, we paid $50 of it. Then they wanted me to stay on it. I said, I don't need it. The company I'm working for now gives me insurance. They said, well, you can still have it for another year. No, I don't need it. Uh, But it was just God teaching us. So now I'm in Bible college. I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not trying to be. I have no desire to be a pastor. All I want to do is to, to grow in the Lord. God opens the door to teaching again. But this time on his terms, with his direction. I didn't even catch it. I was working with kids in church. That's not teaching. I was working with youth groups. That's not teaching. Came up here to Northern California, helped start a Christian school. Now that was teaching. All of a sudden I'm getting involved in the classroom. I'm back in the classroom, but I'm, I'm not with high school or, 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 or adults or, or anything. I'm with, with uh, middle school. Loved it. And I was free to teach the things of God in the sense that I had just learned all this stuff about how God is in everything. If it's math and it's true, it's from God. If it's history and it's true, it's from God. If it's science, it's true and it's true, it's from God, which rules out evolution, sorry. Uh, and, and, and all of these kinds of... And I was able... And it was one of the most exciting seasons in my life. And teaching opened up. The last place I expected to ever be would be standing here in a pulpit. It was not. I did not choose it. Uh, actually, uh, uh, the, the pastor, the interim pastor at Hydeville, uh, or at Highlands, uh, at the end, from the Indian pastor. Thank you. Doug Shaw. He says, if you guys don't start the church in, Southern, in South County Ministries, and it, it, you're, you're going to lose all your funding in our fiasco up here. And, and he says, you've got to start now. Well, we don't have any. He says, you're going to pastor it. Okay. I'm just telling you, it doesn't necessarily go in, 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 in a way that you expect. It doesn't go in a, in, a, in, a, in a... And other times it will go just like clockwork. All I'm saying is, is that you make yourself available. I am confident God wants you to know your gift and wants you using it in the body of Christ. Absolutely confident. There's a myriad of ways to go after it. Reading, training, uh, you know, YouTube. No, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but you know, all sorts of opportunities where you can study and, and, and get information. I've got a myriad of books on it that if you want to, 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 to read up on it, I'm just saying, don't just sit back and wait for it. And this is the other thing that we tend to do sometimes. 
He caught his. <laughs> yeah, where is it, Lord? And all he's wanting us to do is to boldly take a step of faith in his word and say, I know you have a gift for me. Make me ready for it. I believe. He may lead you through all sorts of things and then bring you back to where you started. He brought me back to, to a family heritage that I thought would never, I didn't want anything to do with. So there was a foundation, a base there. But, you know, it's, it's and, and, and I can't imagine at this point in my life doing anything else. They say, well, yeah, you're almost 65. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know how long God's going to leave me, but I want to go down teaching. I'm addicted. And I really believe that's the other thing that happens. When you really get strong in your gift, it's kind of like you're addicted to it. You've got to do it. I've seen the people with gift of mercy, and I've seen them at work, and they, they, they're not happy unless they're serving somebody and helping lift somebody up. So I want to encourage you. All of this talk about gifts and Romans and, and other places that we've been going through, you have a gift. God wants you to use it. And quite candidly, because you are here at this point in time, this is where he's got you in your quest to find it, see it, and use it right now. And if you're not pursuing it, using it, acting after it, seeking for it, uh, then you're, you're, you're falling short, I believe, of what God wants you to do. I look at my life and I just say, you know, like I said, God took the, a base that had been established but thrown aside and he put it in a whole new arena. And then with his strength, his purpose, his direction, put it in a whole different category. He wants to use us. I want to encourage you to, to realize that this, this all comes back to Resting in God's grace and glorifying Him in such a way that, that we recognize, you know, Jesus Christ has done all of this. He has, the reason God gave us this grace was to draw us into Him, to draw us close to Him, into fellowship with Him. Uh, Francis Schaeffer, one of his favorite phrases that he, he didn't like it in the sense of favorite, how do I explain it? Forget it, I'll just explain it, say it. He says, Christianity's content with mediocrity in the Western world. And he says that's such a tragedy. I, I, like I said, it was one of his favorite phrases, but I think he didn't want to use it. He wished he didn't have to. But in a sense of mediocrity, meaning, well, whatever, whatever goes. I, you know, I go to church, I, I do this, I do that. But we, we're just not into that really intense wanting to know fellowship with, with God. And yet, that's what Christ died for us to have. And so first and foremost, you want to know your gift? Just desire fellowship with God and seek His face. I'm confident He's going to put you into places and situations where he, you'll find it. You'll see it. But the first and foremost thing is to believe in Him and, to, and in His Word. And He says, I want you to what? Draw close to me through the blood of Christ. And not just on Sunday when we do communion, but every day 
every week of every year and actually every hour of every day. I ask the ushers to come forward. We have communion this morning. To if you uh, hold it until we've all been served, and we'll share it together. Same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank you for these emblems that remind us constantly, Lord, of what you have done to draw us close to you. Come in the flesh, God of all creation, come in the flesh. Perfect in every way. Man, 100%. Perfect in every way and thus able to undo what man had done. You not only undid the consequences of sin, but you've undone sin in the sense that we, and when you return and you come and you gather us together, we will be in a place where there's no shadow, there is no sin, there's no hint of sin because of what you have done. On the cross, with the words, it is finished. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, we praise you, desire to walk in your word and be drawn close to you. And so we give ourselves to you. You tell us in, in, in the beginning of Romans 12 to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that we might not be conformed to the, to the things of the world but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So we bring ourselves to you today and, and, and we offer ourselves to you at this point, at this time, with this, this moment of, 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 of remembrance. We offer ourselves to you and say, Lord, have your way with us. May your will be accomplished in each of our lives. Wash us fresh, Lord, from our sins and we rest with the confidence that you are faithful and just when we confess to forgive us our sins. Thank you. Cause us to rest in that absolute promise. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and move us ever closer to your throne as we walk through this world. And with our gifts, Lord, we, we want to honor you. But Lord, we just simply want to honor you in any way you need us to. Cause us to be ready to serve in and out of season, in and out of gift, so that you might be glorified and people might be saved. In Jesus' name.